welcome to the CG Pro podcast. Today is my great pleasure to welcome Alex and Alison Gray. Um, there are two friends of ours, wonderful artists and human beings. Um, they are co-founders of the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors in upstate New York, a spiritual and art retreat. Um, they have a career uh, full of so many accomplishments. I don't know where to begin, but a really amazing honor to be having this conversation and um, and introducing uh, Alex and Alison. You guys have, honestly, I don't know where to begin. The, you've got painters, you're authors, you've community builders, you've done some amazing work in uh, working with other contemporary artists and musicians, like um, including the band Tool and you know, creating so many things. I, I think I'm gonna pause there and just say, Welcome, guys. It's so great to have you on, on the podcast. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having us. Thanks, Ed. So good to see you guys. And Jackie. Great to see you. Yeah. Yeah. Great to see you too. Um, I know this podcast is called uh, CG Pro, but I would, I'd love to take a minute just um, because you guys are, are true artists across many different genres. Um, I'd love to ask you for, for, people who do know, but anyone who, who doesn't know um, some of your history, a little bit of kind of how it, how it began for you, how you first realized that you wanted to be artists. Um, you want to start? Oh, gee whiz. Uh, well, probably like a lot of the artists who are out there watching, you know, I think, I think most all of us start our lives, uh, Maybe we don't know that we're artists, but we like to make pictures, you know, and uh, so the uh, I feel like I, I probably came from a long line of artists and I even feel like uh, my past life I was an artist. So um, it's such a natural thing to make pictures and to make drawings and things like that. I think that that, you know, for for me or maybe us. We just didn't stop, whereas right. you know, for uh, most sensible people, uh, put put those things aside and get get to business or some other kinds of things. But it it uh, happened to be that if you find yourself obsessed with that, then you're probably an artist, you know. And uh, so, uh, drawing was always something that uh, turned me on, and I loved to see my father draw. You know, that was how I really got into it, was just watching him invent worlds just coming out of a pencil. You know, when you're tiny and you can just see there's a pencil nib and then it's like there's a blank sheet of paper, I'm sure your daughters, you know, are just, aren't they thrilled, you know, like whenever yep. you make a world that wasn't there. And it's the same magic whether it's reality, uh, you know, whether you're working with VR or whether you're working with, you know, a, a pencil or crayon, you know, you're inventing a world that didn't exist just moments before. And there's something terribly exciting about that. Well, I was going to start early as well and say that uh, I was always an artist, too. And although my mother wasn't a professional artist like your father was, my mother went to Maryland Institute College of Art and identified as an artist. And I identified as an artist as a and, and was identified in my group, in my peer group, as an artist very, you know, it's early as nursery school. And, um, 
and all through school. And uh, you know, there's always you know the artist in the class, the one person who goes to art school, and I was that. And uh, the art editor of my yearbook and the chairman of my prom. Our theme was psychedelic. So I met Alex. <laughs> In 1971, you know, uh, his first LSD trip was in my apartment. So um, that was 74. We met in 75. Yeah, in 71. I had my first LSD. That's right. No, no, no. 69. I had my first LSD when I was in co my first college. But I, 71, I had my my be here now opening to the divine psychedelic experience. And then three years later, I met you. So it was kind of like an evolution for me meeting Alex in art school and, and around the theme of, of psychedelic God contact, I would say. It's this sense of spirituality that came over us both uh, around LSD and, uh, and, and, and having somebody in those days of incredible secrecy to actually share that experience with was, I think, very bonding for us. So that brings you up to history. We were in art school together, but we met in a class uh, that focused on performance art and mixed media and conceptual art. And so we met around that mixed media conceptual performance uh, genre. And you know, we are both considered painters, and uh, yet I think that that only represents a part of our artistic life, because our artistic life has always been uh, creating uh, social sculpture as well as painting in a separate way. So the painting has you know, been developing all these years, but at the same time, there is this, we, we did performances together, and then we created the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors, which was a social sculpture in the sense that it, it intended to make transformation in a social way with the social medium, and, uh, and it, it involved community and, and just multimedia. You know, like many, many aspects, many, many ways of making art and being creative uh, with community and building community. So that's how performance turned into... A church. Uh, conceptual, conceptual <laughs> art turned into performance, turned into a church, really, an art church, a radically welcoming inter-spiritual Art church, that's what we say about Cosm, the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors, which we founded in 1996 and uh, became a church in 2008. So here we are in our little living room in, our, in, our, in Cosm, which is in the Hudson Valley, and we invite everybody out there that's listening to uh, visit us if they're, you know, when we open, when we reopen <laughs> after COVID. We still haven't reopened yet, but we, we have members' tours and some events online and things like that. So we still maintain Cosm. Cosm is very strong and is going to open again soon. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for uh, for explaining a little bit of your kind of early days. I think it's, it can be really inspiring to people um, on the artist journey to to understand a little bit of where it comes from and have it. I think being an artist takes a lot of kind of confidence in and you're identifying with that. It's it's always been really inspiring to me the the journey that you guys have been on, um, and as a couple as well, and being married and working together a lot and and making such a success of it. So it's very very cool. 
I think it's because we don't know what else to do, right? <laughs> you, you, you guys too, you know, you and Jackie as well. It's like, what else can you do? As yep. well as this. So you keep doing it. And, uh, and love seems to be a magical ingredient that helps everything to move better. Yeah, it's clear from the, you know, the community that you guys have, have built that that's at the core of it. Um, how, how has it been just bringing up the subject of kind of going um, virtual and uh, having to, it's been very difficult. We had an event company as well uh, before all this. It was uh, quite challenging, but you guys have, have made a success of it. You've, uh, you're still running events and doing things online to the extent you can. Yeah, it's been, uh, it was radical, I think, for everyone. It's kind of like the uh, um, put on the brakes to whatever you're doing and adapt to the new situation. So we closed March 13th, 2020 to the public. We had just had our full moon and uh, art church kind of events. And we were uh, heading for the vernal equinox. And uh, so we'd sold all our tickets to that event and everything, and, and good grief, uh, we had to go virtual. So it, yes, and it happened. Um, remarkably, we have a wonderful team here uh, who uh, have been agile in their uh, willingness to adapt and find a way to reach our audience and our community, and frankly, it's grown uh, much wider, a bigger. Uh, bigger audience because, uh, gee whiz, now we're finally doing what a lot of people had asked us to do for years. Hey, why don't you put it online so we can see what's going on there? And uh, so uh, now we are. But we're more um, writing the programs and um, also getting performers from our community uh, to share, you know, like songs or poems or video animation and things. We found a lot of uh, uh, digital animators who have been making extremely trippy uh, animations and they've been very generous at, uh, at uh, putting together reels and things like that and music. So we've had always had a component from the uh, sort of sacramental or psychedelic uh, wing represented as well as the various arts from dance and poetry and a lot of other uh, things as well. So we still have a full moon program. Yes, you know, we, we have, never missed one. We have, yeah, exactly, for oh. um, all, for, oh, I mean, going on 18, I guess, January of 2003 was our first full moon ceremony in our home in Brooklyn. And uh, we, moved it from our home when it became too big. We moved it to Manhattan where we offered full moon ceremonies, equinoxes, solstices, dance parties, workshops, all that stuff on a floor of 27th Street um, and had our first store and all that, our on-site store. And and uh, that went for five years until, you know, it was a rental. And we wanted, and our mission for COSM is to build an enduring an enduring sanctuary of visionary art to uplift a global community a global community which we were you know we were you know we were getting a lot of international people coming into new york and even up here we had a lot of people coming from all over but we could get a few hundred people here for a full moon and we're about to uh 
uh, on Friday, I believe, is our 237th in a consecutive and unbroken chain of full moon ceremonies. So we, that became the core sort of skeletal structure of, and, and the way we, you know, in March of, of uh, 2020, we went from doing them live only, you know, just right here with, with performers that were local or could, were coming into town. And we went to the Vernal Equinox, which also happens later in March, to an online program. It was like we had no idea what we were doing, <laughs> but we had someone on our staff who had just joined our staff to become a program coordinator who now had to turn, had a, who had a podcast. So he helped us, you know, encouraged us at least, and we all started making programs, which we have, I guess, nearly 100 by now, um, and millions, tens of millions of followers. So, you know, from all over the world, and we get, and then we have, so that's our broadcast, basically, which is on Cosm.tv uh, on YouTube channel. And, uh, and, and we, we curate uh, segments, you know, three segments, four segments per show for, from the global community now. It's basically we find these videos, or then sometimes they're like CGI, sometimes they're um, mini docs, or uh, little animations, uh, all kinds of, you know, uh, artist profiles, things like that. So we, uh, how to make things, how to do things, different people from different places in the world. And we love that. We love that international and bringing a lot more of the global community into it. And yeah. then Alex does a kind of a, we have a theme, and Alex does a talk, and I do a, I call it Parsha Poetry. I, I turn my talk into it into poetry so we we hope you'll join us either for the uh each broadcast on the full moon it's a really worthwhile thing to to celebrate the full moon you always you, you connect yourself with everybody in the world who has a full moon at the similar time within like 24 hours everybody's got the same moon so uh, we, we we it's it's not like we worship the moon but it's like we are unified by the moon and uh, then we have our members meet, uh, if they want to, every new moon, which is the time when the moon is no, not there. It's black and empty or just the slightest crescent. And we celebrate Art Church, which is where we make art together in silence to music and then discuss a theme and, and share our art and share our thought on that theme, like the theme coming up, which is going to be... Um, Cosmic creativity, and then in January, creating a life you love. So that's uh, that's the theme of, of those things. And then we have a monthly tour. We we do let members come into Entheon to see the progress of our installation and uh, the you know coming to completion on the interior of our temple that we are building, uh, the Entheon Sanctuary of Visionary Arts. So we're we're inviting people. We actually, it's the full moon and the members circle this month. If you happen to be in the Hudson Valley or New York or Pennsylvania around here, you know, you can become a member easily and then come to our tour once a month. We only do 21 people, just 21 sacred mirrors. So we have mm. 21 guests and those first 21, you know, but we keep doing it every month. So you can sort of plan ahead and pretty soon, <clears throat> I would say, we're, we're, we're holding out hope for the, um, 
what we call the high holidays. What are the high holidays? Tell us that. Uh, the hippie holidays, I guess. That's the, uh, we were looking uh, really at the full moon in April uh, to begin things, but the, uh, you know, April, uh, and that's April 16th this year. Um, now, April 19th is the bicycle day, uh, and then 420. Well, for those who course, don't know what bicycle day is, it's the day that, that LSD was taken by its inventor, Albert Hoffman, and he took this famous bicycle ride on LSD. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those are the hippie holidays, yeah. And then there's 420, <laughs> which is Cannabis Day. Yeah. And then we celebrate 421 because there's 21 sacred mirrors. We think of it as Chapel of Sacred Mirrors Day. And then we have 422, which is Earth, Earth day. day, which was the right. first day we saw this place on Earth Day. We came oh, here on wow. Earth Day when we were thinking, you know, we need to have some land so we can build an enduring sanctuary because you can't build an enduring sanctuary in a rental. So you have to yeah. own the land. And you have to, <laughs> That's you have a very to good pass point. the land along to the members and the people who really care about COSM. And that's how you have an enduring anything, is, is to leave it a legacy and pass it on to the next generation. So that's kind of our, our conceptual art around, and, and social sculpture around COSM, that, that we are working towards op reopening with Entheon, the visionary art sanctuary and uh hopefully around the high holidays yep okay. and if it doesn't happen then uh you know we tell most people sometime in 2020 i think you know, it's there's happen. a lot to be done uh before that so but we'll yeah. uh you know keep keep those posted well you know, who you know are and for members we we have we have some small opening now so i like that we're just having a very slow opening before covid we wondered how are we going to do this? There's so many people that want to come. Everybody wants to be here. It's like, it's going to be so crazy. Slow. Just, we're mm. opening very slowly, but we are opening. A little yeah. gradual, that's all. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really, really inc so incredible what you guys are, are building there. And I can't wait. You know, the last time we were able to, to make it up and see you was quite a while ago now. And uh, <laughs> the it was... Um, yeah, definitely nothing like it is today. I, I can't wait to come and check it out. Can I just say how we know Ed and Jackie and how much we love them? They, <laughs> made, they came all the way from Southern California to be with us in the Hudson Valley for our big uh, visionary art intensive where they you know, have students at their knee. They are so brilliant and they're so professional and they're such great artists in their own right. And they came to be in our class for five days and we bonded incredibly because they're amazing people and with incredible talent. And then um, we worked on uh, a, Kickstarter. a couple of things. First yeah. we worked on a Kickstarter yeah. where you guys made Entheon like visualize, turn around and fly through and come in at angles and see it in different ways. You really helped us and you did that as out of the the goodness of your heart, and we will never, never forget uh, how generous you were. And then again, a pleasure. And then again, yeah, they well, did it well with the NFTs. Yeah, um, helped us. Yeah, just recently. So it's uh, we have appreciated your genius uh, being brought to bear on uh, getting this project off the ground, and I think that it, uh, you know, the visual 
the visuals that you guys were able to provide makes uh, it takes Entheon out of you know just a flat photograph or blueprints or anything like that and gives it a reality and uh, so it 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 helps people to understand what you want to do because the things that we want to do are a little outrageous. Well, you helped <laughs> us to make manifest our first NFTs. That's what you did for us. And so we had a drop about six or seven months ago um, of nine NFTs. And I had uh, four, you had four, and then there was one for Entheon, which was the Cosm, you know, kind of piece. And, uh, you know, using my work and using your work and using the image of Entheon, which you also helped with, and Jackie helped me with a very, I mean, such an incredible one, such an incredible one that it, we just saw it and mixed with some other things on a 70-foot screen. We just were at the NFT right. show in, uh, in uh, Florida, in Miami for the Art Basel. There was a gigantic, at Factory Town, there was a gigantic, you know, coming together of NFT enthusiasts and artists and collectors and people who uh, are very excited about this vibrant new medium and to just to help us you know nascently start off with our nfts you you came in and really helped us with a few of them and uh they 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 were successful in to a sense it's good to start small and grow big but ours was a nice chunky success i thought and we felt we felt good about it well we are we're artists and of humble means and uh the only way that we're able to realize uh, building a temple is the way, the old-fashioned way, where, you know, a community of interested people say, yes, we, we want this, and uh, there are donations, but there's also all the purchases from the Cosm shop. Um, you know, yeah, think about uh, it's your altar this, this Christmas season, yeah. your posters and your friends, and you know, go to Cosm Shop because all oh. those proceeds go to Cosm Shop. Yeah, yeah, it it's goes amazing, to... amazing how much you, know, you guys you know, reinvest everything back into the, the community and to give. It's yeah, such a, a generous and, uh, and loving way to be with what you're doing. Well, we certainly have been well taken it's, care of. Yeah, and it's it's looking beautiful, and uh, there are so many gifts from the community, and the 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 building itself is. I think you'll love seeing it uh, when you get back. Amazing. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. I've been a little occupied learning <laughs> to become a parent. <laughs> that is That's so exciting, though. What you're, what, and what you're, what, with your children, is so riveting when they're so young. And it's just, you know, you just want to pay as much attention to them as you can. And you've had this opportunity during, uh, during yeah. COVID to be kind of like, sequestered together they couldn't love it more really oh it's, it's fantastic yeah really i mean we were kind of already in a bunker before this happened you know we were already we were parents and we were working from home mostly and really what covid did for us was kind of leveled the playing field that made everybody else stay at home in the same way as we were so it's like and it's it's been really really connecting with the kids for sure but also i think as you were mentioning um what i thought would be a disconnecting experience for the world has actually been i've had more connection in this last two years than ever before i think just particularly with growing the school and building our own community but it's really just 
I don't know, it's expanded in a lot of ways, less face to face, but a lot more in general. But, yeah. yeah. But the, the, the weird um, truth. Yeah. Yeah. It's a strange kind of silver lining. And I think in, in a way, a, a gift, it was maybe difficult to see in, in the beginning. Um, and it's still challenging, I know, for some people more than others. But Oh, those are... who are not able to sequester to make their living, I think, struggle a great deal. And we, we our hearts go out to them. But the people who uh, were already sort of, I mean, we traveled a lot for many years. But we had kind of slowed down on that by the time COVID happened, which was very, very lucky. And then, of course, our, our shop... Uh, our shop managers and, and, and operators are just have just been uh, extraordinary. And so we've been reaching out to people and people have been uh, supporting and, and being just just wonderful. I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't be um, more grateful you know, to our audience, to the people who want the images and uh, want to see us. And we give away the shows. We basically do them. We work really hard on them. It's like sort of the second hardest thing we work on, which is, you know, uh, to uh, to put broadcast and to be with members and things like that. But um, yeah, it's made us, I think, closer to people who really care. So yeah, it's been amazing. Good. We'll, de we'll definitely share links with our listeners and um, oh, for the things that you, you've explained. Um, and I'm a big fan of the shop too. I definitely <laughs> have Thank bought you. a couple of things from there myself, so I can oh, thoroughly good. recommend it to anybody. Um, mentioning NFTs, I'm, I'm really interested to hear your your take on it because you guys have been through the art, the, the previous incarnation of the art world the, um, and the, particularly talking about making art and ownership of art and those those kinds of things um i'm fascinated to hear your uh experience and your kind of take on it so far because it's so brand new i think it's hard to say where it's going but you know you have right. some experience with it um yeah well one of the things i think that both allison and i were noticing um because we're um uh, coming to understand this uh, new realm of art and um, the excitement and the focus, the money, the, the crazy reminds us of when we had just moved to New York, uh, 1984, and the... Um, East Village artists were blowing up, you know. There was Keith Haring, Jean-Michel Basquiat. Uh, Warhol was still wandering around and making mm -hmm. friends with everybody. And there was a lot of heat and excitement around young people who were making work that was completely unlike uh, the previous kind of generation of stuff. and. So there was so much kind of art energy um, that that uh, was driving a market um, that uh, it took a while before the art critics could really catch up to and finally find a way to articulate what was going on. When something is new like that, it's 
bound to baffle people. And the first thing that will happen is that we'll, it will be dismissed. The first thing is dismissal by the uh, whatever the the ruling uh, you know, art, art world kind of intelligentsia. Oh, that, you know, that stuff does nothing. Ignore it, you know. And then it's like uh, Beeple will sell something for 70 million in it. And it's like, what? What? And so the, uh, the realm of uh, outrage and uh, amazement that uh, goes with this and certain personalities that um, are making statements about, um, well, in his case, this is quite a remarkable artist, you know, who's, uh, who's really just made an incredible body of work frankly, and works really hard. I think uh, most, most artists I know who, who look at it, you know, like are amazing production. And uh, so just in terms of artistic output and thought that goes into each piece, you know, because these are dystopian reflections on our current uh, reality and uh, putting in the most topical kinds of things. Now, to be that responsive is to engage the audience who is alive today and taking in the same reality. It's very unusual for society to even care what a painter or a sculptor does. But now, in the world of social media, where uh, maybe the artists of yesteryear don't even have uh, a Instagram account because they don't care about that stuff. They're selling from their blue chip, uh, you know, gallery and and things like that. And they, you know, but they're starting to to get all of those things. The NFT thing shot off um, and without the assistance of the quote art world, uh, mm. but it was an art event, just like Burning Man. And uh, so the, uh, the energy in the NFT world now is massive and global. And uh, it offers an opportunity for practically any artist to uh, offer something in the block blockchain. And so it's another medium, basically, and it takes... Uh, you know, anything uh, that you want, basically, uh, it, can, it can be a motion graphic thing, it can be a, uh, a song, it can be, uh, you know, a rock, it can be a, a crypto punk. There's so many uh, different elements. You can't say NFT is a style. It's a medium. And uh, part of the thing that is uh, really confounding to some artists and, and intriguing to others is that it basically converts a work of art immediately into money. It's, it, 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 that the uh, Ethereum uh, is its kind of um, medium that it's living in. It's, it's living in a kind of uh, crypto... Um, and coin-based kind of medium. Now, this 
uh, fact that it is uh, something that is purchased, you know, and that it isn't uh, a thing for sale is something a lot of artists, they, they don't even want to think about necessarily. I want to make a drawing. I want to make just something out of my soul. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be sold or something. But this converts a thing immediately into an economic uh, kind of product. And so, so this also shows us something new about art. As much as you want to avoid the idea that art could be for money, those who have trouble with, with that, we also see that there is, just like there is probably a political position to everything that we do, there's an economic element to everything that we do, even but, art. And, it can, and you can see it more or less. See, blue chip uh, galleries are a lot like the NFT market. They've got all the different marketing shell games and various things like that that is already set up there. And of mm. course now Christie's, Sotheby's and all the rest of the art world is starting to pay attention to the NFT and I certainly don't see that it's going to go away too soon. I no. think it's here to stay. I, I, yeah. I was, uh, wanted to reflect that uh, when you were talking about how the, the art work world changes, you know, we, we go back in art history and we, we remember when you know, when Marcel Duchamp, you know, uh, put an Armut urinal in the Armory show, or, or when, you know, Robert Rauschenberg put his bed up on the wall of a gallery. These were things where people were just jarred, you know, it's like jarred you out of like, is this art? You know, the question being, uh, which it was, because it was the intention of the artist that it be art, and putting it into a gallery setting made it art. But the audience for it, I mean, we both have had galleries and, you know, that sharing of, of, of 50 and 60 percent with the gallery um, and only having a show every once, every couple of years and, you know, really having less, you know, well, anyway, these, these were the, this is the way galleries still operate and, and the way to get a gallery, and I've always told artists this, the way to get a gallery, if they want to get a gallery in New York, you have to go to the shows, you have to know people, you have to, you know, know a lot about the artwork, the art world and the art people, and, and if you go to a gallery or you go to the gallery shows every, every month as they change, you know, people will get to know you and eventually they'll see your work and if it's really good, then it'll end up being... But it takes that sort of process. Well, you know, with the NFT world, it isn't really that different because the people who are doing the best are really dedicated to it and they're really, really nailed to the, the entire field. They understand it, they follow it, they know the other artists that are making it and they follow it. And they and Beeple has been in it the longest and he's the most dedicated wow. and he keeps going and he keeps getting more money. And I'm just saying, if you want to, you know, enter the NFT world, you have to love it. You have to love it. It's just like loving, a lot of people don't want to go to the gallery shows. They don't want to go on the second Saturday to, to walk down their, their town and, and see whether any galleries might, you know, you know, be interested in their work, you know. You have to know the people and it's very, it's a very social network. And this just happens to be a social global network and as Alex was saying, the social media makes your audience and your, your range 
and incredibly wider. Plus, this is an, this is revolutionary. This is revolutionary in the in the contemporary art world, which is only you know like less. It's like a hundred years old or something. It's not even that old. But basically, when things are resold, you get something. You know, I, yeah. you you know, you get a wallet. And you, you know, people buy and sell your piece. You know, they keep trading it. And that's why it's like money. Like art becomes money. Like you, you always wondered, I always wondered about the artists that they would, these political people would select to do these realistic, like let's make a new $20 bill and they would choose an artist to do it. Now, everybody can do it. You can make art and you can say it's money and it will be traded and you will get a royalty on that you'll get a you'll get a piece of it and uh, you can make a contract and and that contract holds and the people who've been working with you on it or whatever get paid and and it and it uh it it helps artists it helps there to be more art more things to look at so you have to you know be part of that community and really try to understand that world or have friends like we do who help and educate us about it because we really, you know, are are still very much still learning about it. But young people are um, well versed on it. And there's a lot of big collector base. Yeah, you get to a know lot those of... collectors. Go to the shows. You right. know, we just went to shows in right. Miami. People who are, uh, you know, doing well in the market, oftentimes like Fuck Render or uh, Mad Dog Jones, things like that they will buy other artists work they're not in it just to make money they're in it they're investing uh their ethereum in other artists so this is uh, part of the way that both artists who would maybe not be able to uh, support themselves sometimes you know or find it difficult means you know uh to do so uh, some of them are getting great breakthroughs, you know, uh, through this medium. And clearly, it's not going to be a get rich quick for everybody, you know. But uh, seeing that a handful of artists um, who are working in this non-traditional medium have done very well, it's a very encouraging uh, kind of thing. I'm sure it's going to go, you know, yeah. through a lot. Yeah. Like most things. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. It's been, yeah, definitely interesting for us uh, running a school, thinking that we were going to get mostly filmmakers and visual effects artists wanting to further their careers. But also, we've had several contemporary artists come in and use it to build NFTs instead of make a film, which is totally surprising to me. <laughs> Clearly an indication that this is a thing. And it's, yeah, it's getting a lot of attention across the spectrum from investors to artists to yeah, it's it just seems to be appearing everywhere and is figuring itself out. But yeah, it's fascinating. Well, th thanks for uh, your take on that. The um, and you 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 presented it at Art Basel. Um, was that as the kind of raw NFT, or was it was were the NFTs kind of like on display in a gallery as such? Well, or? the way it looked was it was just this giant industrial space. It was empty. They had a 70-foot screen in there, which was amazing. Somebody came along that had built this amazing screen, and they were able to use it. Alex and I had, uh, you know, uh, our, our media team created, you know, a kind of animated compilation uh, that 
that uh, Alex had his and I had mine. And then we had, then there were like, I don't know, over 20 screens spaced throughout. There were, I think, 44-inch screens. So they were nice, modest, but good-sized screens. And they were, you know, circling the place and, and, uh, and going at all times. And we also went to the Christie's show. And we went to a show at the, conf- at the convention center, too. So there were numerous shows. Yeah. This was like the first time I ever really went to an NFT exhibit. Right. You have to have a lot of screens and some technicians <laughs> yeah. there. And they were all hooked up. And we had um, sort of, you know, we, we each, here's another thing about the NFTs. It's like, it's gamifying. These are gaming people. People who like to do this love games. And you're, you're kind of, what you're teaching, I think, is being used a lot in gaming, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's kind of a, a, a really interesting time where the gaming community and the film community are colliding and being able to use the same technology to create not just a, a game in addition to a film, but also, um, in some cases, just emerging, being able to create a, a game film almost like those two things are the same or that you can use the same assets to build multiple things instead of just uh recreating it for another medium it's actually converging through this through this technology it's a really interesting time and also being able to explore these worlds which i think is something which you guys are familiar with too you've you've uh for a, quite a while dimensionalized your your artworks and explored them in in that kind of way um through music videos and other other ways of kind of bringing them to life, and this now this uh, whole um, almost don't like using the word, but you know what people are describing as the the metaverse now as this kind of interconnected, essentially extension of the internet, being able to connect through these experiences collectively. And um, is it, do you guys have any uh, kind of thoughts on? Uh, <laughs> that, that kind of emerging idea of being able to explore your, your art and being able to kind of gather inside I, it. I think that it's always been a, um, a vision, you know, that the accessibility of a sacred space is, um, is an important matter. And we've discovered since being closed that we have greater access Right. You know, greater access to the audience uh, around the world because we're forced to provide something that is on the web. So, yeah. the uh, a metaverse um, or uh, metacosm uh, kind of manifestation, we're work we're imagining now. You know, could come in uh, different ways, but creating the assets that will be part of it is, uh, I think, really on our uh, horizon. It's ahead of for us. The ne- yeah, right. for the next year is gathering that team uh, that is um, able to help us um, imagine uh, how that's going to work. You know, how can we create, using some of the assets that we already have, like, uh, you know, you worked with the um, sculpture of Entheon that Ryan Tottle had spent a couple of years on, and and I just yep. kind of uh, modifying, you know, but you made it like come to life and give it uh, dimension and things like that. 
a thing like that, of course, could we have already. So Antheon could exist in, in one of these forms and could be a visitable uh, kind of experience. And whether the interior looks like what the actual building is, which is something definitely doable as well. Yep. Um, and, you know, do we create the entire kind of uh, terrain of the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors? It's 40 acres, you know, to have the, the land and the, uh, the temple where we, where we want it to be one day and build it in the metaverse first, you know, and right. show where it's going to be, see what the sunrise and hitting the gate, uh, the, the doorway is going to look like. This is the way an architect would do it anyway. You That's know, right. they might yeah. not put it on the web, but in order to get an investor, they would do a VR version of it or the best kind of computer model of it and then show it to the investors. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that this is the, it's a natural progression, uh, really, of, you know, uh, uh, using the uh, 3D assets that we have and imagining the, the way that we navigate uh, through the web of the future, through the metaverse, is, is um, going to be a more familiar uh, kind of way. We will feel like the, that thing that we're lacking, which is like the interaction with, with uh, people. You, you know, like a, a, if we want to travel like a, a Burning Man kind of in your avatar, you know, you can visit these uh, other places that will be built out. And I, I, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I, I wanted to just say one other, one other way of working that, that, that came, uh, you know, very strongly for us during uh, COVID was the creation of two installations at Meow Wolf in Las Vegas, which are multimedia uh, installations that uh, one of them was a collaboration of Alex and I called the Infinitizer, which is our, our space at Meow Wolf in Las Vegas that you should go and see. Everybody should go there. But it's multimedia. It's like, you know, sculpture. We had, we had uh, 14 or 17 foot uh, sculptures that were cast and uh, came from digital, you know, to, to print out, to cast, to installation with projections on them and, you know, a, a crazy, you know, uh, vinyl painted floor and all the, and, and all this mirror, it was all completely mirrored and all of this happened remotely. Not, we never made it to Meow Wolf. They opened in February. We worked on it through COVID in 2020 and they opened in February 2021 and we made it there like what, a month ago? A couple of weeks ago, yeah. Like, yeah, like maybe weeks. it was a month ago by now. And, and uh, so we went out there not for the opening, and, you know, we just wanted to go before anybody was there because it's really, they, they, they are taking guests and everyone's masked and everything. But the other, the other installation we did there was with, with uh, four or five other artists, visionary artists that, that we had recommended, and we uh, were all, our work was included in the um, in the in the projected desert, so it's this gigantic, you know, sort of flowing sort of place where you can walk around, 
and there's rock walls and everything and all these projections all over. There's like, you know, dozens and dozens of projectors going to create these environments, these amazing environments that, uh, and ours is just, you know, two out of so many artists that are there. You know, you have some wonderful artists that we, that we know and love that are part of it and many that we we're never familiar with and just creating all these different installation experiences that you climb through and, and, and discover. So that was an amazing project that we were able to do remotely for with, with digital, with artists working that were all in different parts of the world from Turkey to Southern Cali to, you know, we work with all these different people and make, make this thing happen. And uh, then there was the people who did the casting and, you know, and the music. We worked with El Bujo and, and uh, Matt Santoro and lots of other people. And, uh, and uh, so we've, we've been working with so many artists like you and Jackie, too. We're so grateful for the work we've done with you remotely. We haven't seen you in years, but we, you know, stayed friends. and Zoom friends. So, so <laughs> yes. great to be able to keep making art and we make it happen in a place, but we make it from all of our living rooms and offices and computer rooms and phones. Right. You know, it's amazing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I love the sort of efficiency of it. You know, all that time that was spent running around. Now you can focus it on being productive it's, yeah it's, i quite appreciate that actually you know this the school that we built i think would have not become what it has without almost because we, we were just forced to be so focused on it and concentrate on it it's been quite quite cool in a way free from it's free to set up a little bit from some of the distractions in some ways distractions are good too and i do miss traveling i will admit but well it's we'll hard get back it, there. It's, yeah. it's hard to get back to, you know, inviting large groups of guests here again, which we, right. aren't, we aren't doing. We're really, you know, keeping that group small, and we look forward to having uh, workshops uh, next summer. We're still projecting that we will have actual people here, but we hope the COVID dies down and disappears. We would just really like to do it without masks on, but if we have to mask, we will, and, you know, um, we just... We just pray for, you know, return, but we're really enjoying and working really hard as we are, you know? Yeah, no, that's amazing. And you, um, d uh, do you imagine doing more in the NFT space as well? Um, oh, yes. oh yeah. We're doing, oh, some, yeah. we're working on things it's... right now for sure. Okay. Yeah. I wish we could do them more frequently, but we're still in the learning stage. And yeah. one, of, one of the gamifying things that, that, that people are doing is collections. And so we have a collection that we're working on. Uh, and I, I won't go into describing it, but you can find the NFTs that are still in play. I mean, you know, the nine that we did you know, six, seven months ago are still selling and still trading. And, um, and so all, that, all the funds go directly to Cosm to keep this place going. And, and, uh, and support and build an enduring sanctuary here in the Hudson Valley. So we have an on-site thing going on, but it, it's more going out to a global network. And, um, and we have these two collections, and collections mean that, well, there's all kinds of games, but this is one of the games. It's like, you know, you have a collection of, of many things, and they sell, and they trade, and yours is unique, but it is part of a greater uh, 
you know, collection of similarity. So you can come up, you can go on to, uh, I guess, OpenSea and, and, and learn more um, about the collections and about yeah. other, other gamifying ways that uh, people are selling NFTs. Well, one yeah. of the things that's been interesting is if you're familiar with Allison's work, you can see that there's, um, the way that she works is often like, she thinks up kinds of rules for the making of the uh, piece. And it's also working a lot of times with grids as well. And so yeah. some of these things naturally uh, evolve into a code, a code basically for making the, the painting. And so it's natural to find a kind of generative um, equation, you know, that could reshuffle some of the elements that are inherent in Allison's work and come up with something that Allison could have painted, but it's actually uh, a digital generative work that working with her codes. And so this is how the uh, digital arts can kind of extend an artist's, you know, already uh, vision, you know, and just uh, expand it into areas that you may not have been uh, thinking about, you know. So it's, it's exciting just as a natural kind of, uh, as a medium in itself to extend uh, what an artist is already doing. They have, yeah. they have one on, they have one of ones, which means that this is the only, this is one image, this is the only one that's going to ever be sold. And so that's, that has a certain value. But then there are multiples. But the collections are a similar set, a larger similar set. And they can be as large as, you know, hundreds of thousands. Or they can be as small as ours, which are 100 or, you know, between 100 and 300, let's say. So smaller collections of similar things that, that are, are unique, each one each unique. unique. So you have one of one, but it's, it's similar to the rest of that collection. And uh, some of them be, may be more valuable than others, and some of them may be more rare than others, and some of them you may get a special... It's, it, it reminds me of, of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you know, where you know, there's a, three people are going to get the gold ticket, but <laughs> only those and nobody knows, knows who they are, and it's random. So there's that sort of thing, too, going on. So you, everybody's yep. paying the same thing for them, but some people end up with something more than others, and they don't know who they are going to be. And usually it gets sold really fast. You know, stuff gets gone, you know, and then you find out what you have, and then you, you know, can trade it. And it's a, it's a lot like trading cards. I was going to say it reminds me of that a lot, yeah. That excitement, I remember being a kid and opening them up and looking for the little hologram one or whatever it was, it was like, or the rare one, yeah. Yeah, so they play those games. These are all gamifying people. We're, we're learning. That's amazing. Yeah. And so I've seen some people, uh, they'll have the, the digital NFT, but it also will come with a thing as well, so they actually get a physical thing as well as, and sometimes that's even right. a... A frame that shows the NFT on itself, like those right of there, you go. Mining. Not everybody gets it, but some people get that frame too. Right, they're a collectible object, uh, and some collectors are not that into objects. They're yeah. really happy that they can carry the entire thing on their phone, you know. So uh, it's we've encountered all kinds of uh, feelings, you know, like about 
objects versus uh, digital objects. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of the kinds of um, NFTs are also like um, the company that was recently traded to Nike that is a shoe, shoe uh, or that Nike bought for, uh, they make digital shoes, you know, that if you want your character in your game to be wearing these shoes, you know, you buy the shoes from this, you know, and it's, uh, and there are other kind of virtual uh, AI kind of applications as well. You can have a, a creature or something that, that you can, uh, uh, just to have an augmented reality uh, character in your room, you know. Uh, That's your, that, that, that acts as your avatar. And then you can buy a jetpack for that avatar where they go flying around. <laughs> you know, but only a certain amount of people are going to get jetpacks and they're going to be gone. So then if you want to get a jetpack, you've got to cut, get it on the secondary market and then the person who invented jetpacks will get a little piece of it. And then you have, what do you call them? Ether boards. Or hoverboards. Hoverboards. You have hoverboards. <laughs> hoverboards. You can get oh, a hoverboard. Please. <laughs> and you have a jetpack, so you know people want their hoverboards, and it's all a very fun game. You have to get 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 fun with it. You know, it's like just like most things, you have to have fun with it. If you want to, you know, move forward in the in in your in your involvement, make it fun and be part of the game. That's that's really how to uh, how to succeed in NFT world. I think. Right. Be in yeah. the communities, talking about what's coming up. Be in the communities, listening to other people pitch, Twitter spaces. pitch their, their stuff. Because there's a lot of causes people really like to do. Just like the way the store has been so wonderfully supportive of Cosm. You know, we, you know, we, we appreciate the people who think of us when you know, gift time comes around or when they want to buy a poster for their family or, or for themselves. You know, we, we really appreciate them remembering Cosm because, uh, and that's, that's the way it is in, in this world too. You, you get to know people, they have a cause. You, you, you like what they've got and you know, it, it looks like it's you know, upwardly ascending. So you may wanna get yourself one or trade off something and get something else. You know, people are, are playing the game. Yeah. yeah, it's really, it's really fascinating. You know, the, the fact they can be also tokens for, uh, maybe tickets for something like they represent a thing that could also get you some other kind of experience and mm -hmm. exactly yeah yeah now we're looking into all of that i have so no doubt yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well you guys are, are in a really uh amazingly uh, pioneering in your in your own genre in the visionary art movement so it doesn't surprise me that you are keeping up with all of this and and being on the on the Cutting edge of it. Well, you know how important psychedelics have been to the development of computers, and yeah. uh, so certainly uh, the special effects uh, generators and things like that. The people who are into special effects are quite often people who have seen things that they're trying to reproduce in some way. You know, they're uh, and. So now we have a lot of trippy filters and a lot of uh, things to uh, suggest altered states. The digital effects are the, the first, uh, you know, sort of way of taking visionary art 
kind of imagery and putting it into a, a four-dimensional reality, you know, where you have a, a time-based change and things like that, and you can really begin to suggest uh, what's going on in the psychedelicized um, mind. And so I think that ultimately that that's what we wish to do, that most of the visionary artists really want, they've gone inside, maybe it was mushrooms, or uh, LSD or, or something that uh, allowed them to see the screen of their own divine imagination. And it's truly the most infinite and uh, mind-blowing kind of experience when you really have a mystical experience and somehow feel in contact with that spiritual presence that is really articulated quite well in the temples of all the various world uh, religions. And so these are not unfamiliar realms. These are actually soul realms that have been visited, you know, for millennia by uh, humans. And so now we have new tools, new, uh, much more articulate tools to, um, point to these dimensions and to bring them to life. So I think that the uh, kind of the, the way that um, visionary art can develop through the uh, computer animated, uh, computer animation and these uh, kind of tools that are available now will really just, uh, you know, make great strides as more and more people are legally able to take uh, some psychedelics and have these mystical kind of openings, healings that then can be brought. Because, you know, I, I, you know the statistics probably as well as I do that, uh, that people who have been traumatized and depressed and, and uh, who are fearful of death and all kinds of really kind of uh, mental conditions that really, that really uh, alienate you and make you lonely and make you sad and just suicidal. So those kind of people can really be helped with a psychedelic experience where they see the sacred within themselves and uh, the infinite. And so once you do see that, you kind of want to be witness to it out in the world. You kind of want to share the good news that, uh, that you know, God is alive inside of everyone. And, uh, and there's a, a shining beauty that if you could just access it and get beyond your sort of uh, the entanglements, the psychodramas, you know, that you could find that uh, glowing uh, ember of your soul and see the beauty that is inherent in, in yourself and in everyone. Because you, you, once you access the truth, you understand that it, it's not just you, you're not special. Everybody's special. Everybody's got this. And because uh, we're, we're all a piece of the one. And that infinite one that is running through all of us, and I think is the actual self in each of us, distributed self, networked self, you know, that. Uh, those are the spaces that we want to evoke. We want to show a sense of unity 
we went to show uh, uh, the extraordinary beauty of the inner worlds and why we want to preserve this sacred planet and, uh, and put whatever our intelligence is to use uh, to uh, re-sacralizing our understanding of our lives and our world and each other. And so it, that, that's what we've always, once we, once we got the message, you know, that's why we wound up, oh, well, I guess we've got to build a temple, you know, and, and you know, uh, so you, you get your uh, kind of marching orders, you know, yeah. from that space as well. When you can, when you can hear it properly. Yeah. Yeah. What a, a wonderful um, way to explain not just what you do, but also um, how others can uh, have the confidence to be able to do themselves and, and explore using whatever the tools are. It's definitely why I got into visual effects was to be able to try and express the things that I could only imagine. Um, and it, I think it, no matter the medium, you know, that's, it's a, it's an amazing way to be able to communicate really without the sort of dryness of language, I guess. Yeah. Well, you think visually as we do as artists, you know, we think visually in, in, in mental pictures and then we have to create them and, and that you uh, developed a facility to make things move you know, and and turn and and be activated is just it's a, it's a wonderful skill. It's a wonderful ability that you're sharing with your uh, audience and your classes and stuff. Very yeah. important. It is. Work. Well, one of the Thank interesting you. things, William James, the you know great psychologist there at Harvard, uh, who also uh, had his psychedelic experiences. Um, Why was I mentioning William, William James? James yeah, yeah. Uh, was a great psychologist. Yeah, well, uh, he talked about visionary reality and that the uh, the the chief I don't know characteristic to him about the visionary mystical experience, the psychedelic experience, was ineffability. Ineffability is the inability to explain it. <laughs> or to articulate it with language. So uh, digital um, kind of uh, imagery and the special effects kind of imagery uh, is a language of the ineffable. That's, that's what the visionary art is, basically. That, yes, we can't explain it with words, but we can show you something of what we saw. And that is a language, I think it's a, I call it art theology, that uh, it's a, it, you, you see the sacred uh, picture. You, somehow there's a communication just by visually, you know, that it, it, it somehow cuts underneath language. You know, language is of one uh, element of the mind and uh, actual spatial intuitive knowledge is something deeper. It's more soul-oriented. And so uh, to see the truth is what we want. 
<laughs> or a reproduction or, a, or an impression of the truth, yeah. of our truth. Everybody sees it in a different way. I right. see it in chaos, order, and secret writing. Alex often sees it in translucent beings and, uh, and other imaginative, um, descriptive, visionary, but, but sort of uh, realistic, surrealistic, uh, you know, combinations of, of imagery, recognizable Myth imagery. Mythic archetypal symbolism is one of a recurring kind of mot motifs of visionary art, you know. There's things that people over the millennia have seen, you know, uh, the hybrids of animals and people or hy hybrids of animals and, or, or, and people and plants and things. So um, it's a way to describe uh, the dream realities that we're able to imagine, you know. Yeah. But uh, well, that's my one of our favorite territories, and that's why we're building a chapel for it. That's an incredible chapel, and it's uh, uh, an amazing thing that you guys do. And it's been a pleasure to get to experience your your art in just being able to see it, but also being able to work with you guys on it and collaborating, um, working with you on your art has been a, an amazing way to experience it. And, and Alison working on your artwork recently as well, um, having to focus on it uh, to the extent that I did, it was really, uh, it gave me a, a deeper appreciation of what uh, I think you're expressing um, through your work too. I know I had to create a, because for the, for NFT, uh, possibilities. I had to create sort of a tutorial on my, on the generation of my work. Like, how do I generate it? What are my rules? And you know, I, I my work has always been built on rules that unfold and change, and and it and, and it results in the piece that it is. But it's basically you know impl you know implementing a certain structure, a certain way things have to be, where some things can change and some things remain the same and uh, and then just it's, it evolves and that's just my style of uh, of work it's a conceptual style that goes back to say um, the artist Saul Witt who could uh, write down the rules of making a drawing a Saul Witt drawing and I watched one being done by the graduate students at MIT when I was young and it very much influenced me that he could you know, write down this rule list, send it to the students, and then they would create this community that would create these wall-sized drawings. And you can see Solowitz's uh, drawings and sculptures and, and, and artworks um, in museums throughout the world. And he's a, one of the greatest minimalist artists that lived in, let's say, or, and worked in the 60s and, um, and, and 70s as well. So I... I had to come up with a tutorial to teach an animator or a generative artist. It was a person who generates, and he wanted to know how he could create it so that, you know, maybe a thousand works of mine would, you know, generate on their own through his coding, you know, uh, knowing my system and how mm -hmm. my system works. 
and then it would begin to generate on its own. So that was another, you know, gamifying, and people are doing generative. Um, I mean, the, the, the earliest, uh, one of the early uh, examples of this was electric sheep. Everybody knows about electric sheep and how you can go in there, you can interfere with it. Not interfere, but interact with it, and it, it, may, it will change it. And people had screensavers of these, like, you know, early in the, uh, in the century. You know, they were, you know, just, you know, and you could just go into electric sheep if you knew how to do it and play around with it a little bit. And then it would keep going, it would unfold and unfoil and, like, keep keep you know, roiling with new designs and patterns for your screensaver. So it was a really fun, fun interactive you know, global community of people creating electric sheep. It's still out there, I think. I think so, yeah. And it, I, I'm sure that the new version of it will probably emerge with uh, a different, you know, the, the emerging technologies that are, that are coming out now, things like Unreal and more photorealism in in real time graphics is it's going to be really interesting. I think to see what appears there, and it's definitely definitely near and dear to my heart as a recovering software engineer. You know that idea <laughs> of uh, <laughs> gener gener generating. You know, it's it was coming from a creative place. I think personally, um, always was a bit confused what that tangent was about in my life, but it kind of made sense afterwards, which I think is often often the only way that things make sense. But now being able to to create art through that medium, it's, it is a medium in itself, in a way. Trying to understand it and trying to, you know, think of of or channel ideas, I guess, and think of useful or interesting ways to play with it. That's always what I'm thinking about. Yeah. But mm. anyway, <laughs> I uh, we've we've uh, gone over time. I just noticed, but uh, thank you. Thank you so much for staying on uh, a little longer with us. It's been really amazing to have you guys on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's always a pleasure to hang out. But uh, thank you for coming and sharing your experience and wisdom and the, the mission that you guys are on. We'll definitely follow up with uh, more links and, and share with our community what uh, how people can connect with you. Is there, is there anything good. else that you'd love to share, um, how, well, how people might be able to experience right now, your world? And only for another month, let's say, we have a big show in Mesa, Arizona. It's our largest uh, collaborative show. It, it, not uh, only a few pieces are actually collaborations, whereas there's you know dozens of pieces of Alex's and dozens of pieces of mine. It's just the largest show we've ever had, where where somebody invited us both to show, uh, you know, as a couple and equal in a sense that uh, we both have quite a few works there. So Mesa, Arizona, it's... The Mesa uh, Art Center. The Mesa Art Center is a museum of great quality, and Amanda Sage has a solo show there at the same time as does the, the Visionary Art Community has a group show going on, and, and there is a wonderful local artist uh, who is a, considered a visionary artist who is showing there. So it's a giant sort of complex. It's like a mini Lincoln Center where they have, you know, opera and, you know, and, and performers and, and then four galleries, and, it's just, it's in, and they have workshops. And anyway, Mesa, Arizona, if you're driving through there, um, we did, and we, we, we made it there finally. We didn't go to the opening again, but it's a wonderful show. So if you're in that area, and we're talking to you from here, and you, you'd like to drive over and see some originals, uh, we have over 50 pieces in the show and a video. 
And uh, yeah, so it's a really, really, I'm really excited about the show, but it'll be coming down later, later in January, so you have to see it now. Amazing. Thank <laughs> Thanks for sharing our websites and our IG and everything. Yep. We hope that people will stay in contact with us and you can reach me at Ask Allison, you know, uh, where I, I talk about art, uh, Ask Allison about art and life. I talk to people about art and life, and so I've had that blog for 20 years or so. And uh, yeah, I like to talk to people that want to talk about art and life. Yay. It's great to talk to you today, uh, Ed, so and to see Jackie thank you. as well. And give our love to Jackie, and the children are beautiful. And thank you, everyone. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for being with us. And uh, yeah, thank you to our listeners as well. Thanks for joining us. Um, we will be back again in two weeks. Follow us at becomecgpro.com for more info on what we're up to. But uh, yeah, thank you. Yay. Blessings. Oh, 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 oh,